Hi and welcome to another episode of A Sound Approach. Conversations on finding balance within the creative process. Something that is becoming increasingly tricky for a lot of us while we are collectively experiencing this global lockdown and consistently dealing with anxiety-inducing news about COVID-19, how it is spreading, how it is affecting so many lives, so many families and so many industries. While we are all living in this age of social distancing, limited interaction, limited mobility, this new normal which is a very limited version of our regular lives, we might find ourselves in a place uh, where we're feeling like our access to our creativity is also equally limited. Now, I recorded a lot of these podcast episodes pre-pandemic and before we were in a national lockdown. And I think it's worth mentioning that this is possibly one of the most enjoyable things that I've done in the last couple of weeks. To edit these episodes has been uh, motivating me slightly and giving me food for thought within the realm of my very own creative process. And I hope that that might be the case if you're listening too. On this episode, I have with me a musician, a singer, rapper, and an activist. Someone who has been using her voice and message to address extremely urgent issues ranging from institutionalized racism all the way to environmental negligence. She's an artist who draws attention to several issues we globally and collectively need to be paying attention to, and she does so using several extremely creative outlets. This has actually genuinely been one of my most favorite conversations so far. I'm speaking of Sophia Ashraf. If you're new to the show, this is a podcast series where I have extremely illuminating and insightful conversations with some of the most prolific artists, innovators, creators, makers, writers, designers, um, people who access creative flow on a regular basis. And then I summarize those conversations into little digestible bites for, uh, I guess, for the purpose of an easy takeaway. And my hope is that some bits from bits and pieces from these conversations uh, are able to kind of stimulate your creative process. So point number one, starting with Sophia, was talking about not being taken seriously as a creative entrepreneur, especially if you're creating art or music, and the surprisingly high frequency with which freelancers are requested to work for free. The problem with a creative industry is uh, it's still an industry that's not taken seriously. Like, uh, they assume you're just people who are having fun. And especially if your public avatar is this really chill, cool person who's doing it for the love of what they're doing. And honestly, all of us are in here for the love of the art, but we also have bills to pay. And uh, when clients approach you for work, one, they don't take your art seriously because they're like, hey, you're having fun doing this. Why should you even get paid for this? Mm -hmm. Or you didn't go to an engineering college in IIT to study what you're doing. You're probably just doing this at home. Why should I pay you? So there's that one thing where your craft is not taken seriously. They uh, pay you for the track that you've made or even if they, they only look at the amount of time you're putting in for that track. They don't think about the years you've spent right. honing your track, uh, building those beats, building those skill sets, buying equipment, that expensive laptop, the expensive MIDI keyboards, all of that. They're not accounting for all of that. They try to judge you uh, in beats and measures 
when they don't think about the effort that has gone in. Yeah. So that is one thing. The creative field, they always see as, oh, you've already got this piece of work. I just want to use it. And I have one more layer over that, even after all these years, because I do a lot of work for causes. Of course, they do, I do it because I believe in them and things like that. And if a cause moves me, I go ahead and do it. But then there are people who'll reach out to me. There'll be corporates who reach out to me and say, hey, we want to do something about gender you know, they think they're speaking about a greater cause, which is great. I love it. If right. you if you have an opportunity to spend money and you're spending it for a good message, that's good. Mm -hmm. But then they come to me and expect me to do it for free. It's hilarious. Yeah, because they're it's like, it's for a good cause. I'm like, yeah, but you're making money out of this. You're yeah. hoping to sell product out of this. Yeah. Then why should I do it for free? In fact, I work with a lot of NGOs who are so conscious of this that mm. they're like, we will not. We may not pay you what you're worth because we know you. We, your value is so much more. But we want to pay you something just to show that we are not taking you for granted. Because yeah. if we are someone who is talking about human rights, yeah. if we are someone who is talking about inclusivity, inclusivity is not just including a woman; it is paying the woman. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Uh, especially when the the area of their focus is let's empower this section of the of society or let's empower this community when you really whittle it down it's like you want to empower them pay them that's the, <laughs> the most glorious way to empower yeah. someone hire them for what they do and pay them their rate how many times have we had this conversation where yeah. someone will come up to us and say oh we're doing this huge show about rap and we want to like you know really help the scene we want to promote the scene so would you do it and I'm like yeah how much are you paying me and they're like no we're doing it to promote the scene and I'm like if you're promoting the scene Pay me, because I've been rapping for 15 years. The next thing we spoke about was how to shape one's thinking around being asked to work in exchange for exposure. Now, I think that to a certain degree, working in exchange for exposure is crucial. It can help not only build your portfolio, but literally expose you and your work to a broader audience like it promises. But as artists, freelancers and creative entrepreneurs, it is critical to self-regulate here and to know what that crucial point is when you need to start saying no and acknowledge or recognize that the exposure is no longer serving you and is instead feeding a slightly exploitative culture in our creative industry. I get approached once a month by someone who wants to do a profile on me, a video profile. And they'll come up to me and they're like, we want to do this video profile. And I'll be like, um, you know, either you pay me for it or don't do it. They're like, no, we're doing it so you get exposure. Right. So I'm like, uh, how did you hear of me? They're like, oh, you know, you're pretty popular. I'm like, so I don't need the exposure. <laughs> and You know, it's yeah. so silly. They just, they want to have a yeah. portfolio of look at all these women kind of thing. The next thing we spoke about was Women's Day, all women events, all women lineups. Uh, we chatted about our opinions around prefixing gender to our job roles, when we find it helpful and when it feels like a problematic issue where women are being stripped of their merit and their gender gets highlighted instead of their work and so much more. This Women's Day thing mm. I wanted to talk about where I have, it has taken me a while to understand how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Because I have two opposing views on the idea of tokenism. Uh, for, uh, for example, if you're doing a gig in Mumbai with an all-woman lineup, I am personally uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. 
because what we are asking for is not only women we are asking for equal representation mm-hmm. so this sort of tokenism i'm not comfortable with yeah, yeah. so uh, we did a video called kaam se matlab rakh which is all about stop calling me a female director a female rapper i've been called a femcy once which is like i don't know it's what also like is that female mc oh my god you're doing i'm sorry yeah. it's very crazy it sounds like a contraceptive pill or something <laughs> femcy <laughs> yeah so you oh know god. i was like don't don't suffix female to my art yeah. look at my art don't look at my gender but there is context to this uh, mm. i believe this discussion should be had in context in a city like mumbai in a city like chennai i can say don't suffix female but when i go to a chandigarh when i go to a kannur i say please suffix female mm. because i know growing up in in a very orthodox muslim household and not seeing any woman do what i am set out to do right now i needed those mentors yeah. and sometimes maybe there's just a young 13 14 year old girl who sees this female rapper and will get drawn into yeah. your so arena. i i believe the, these discussions ought to take context into account 100%. you can't just say oh stop calling me female stop saying uh, stop forcing female representation totally. there are places where you need to force that female totally. representation because i'll und- i'll explain the context for for people who don't understand this maybe a lot of us come from privilege and if you're privileged enough to believe that there's no need for feminism in today's day and age i don't hate on you i'm jealous of you mm. because that means you have not been a woman who grew up with the kind of uh, struggles that a lot of us have mm. or you're a man who's not seen his sisters wives mothers grow up with the struggles that we have seen our mm. brethren come up with i grew up uh, as a malayali muslim girl in an orthodox household where uh, i had curfews i had to give up sports when i was 10 years old cuz nice muslim girls don't wear shorts i had to give up dancing when i was in 12th standard because nice muslim girls don't dance on stage mm-hmm. i had to give up talking in public i had to give up a lot of things mm-hmm. because nice muslim girls don't do things and i was engaged off to be married at the age of 19 Ouch. so i had to fight for a chance to get a job because why do you need a job kind of thing like i'm the first woman in my family to have a job wow so uh, i would cry myself to sleep from the age of 10 with one prayer mm. i said god please let me wake up a boy because mm. i truly believe waking up a boy would make all my troubles go away because as a boy i could get a job as a boy i could get on stage mm. i could dance i could rap mm. you know these were things that i thought would be solved if i just had a penis mm-hmm. and my belief is there are still girls going to going to bed with that prayer and as long as there are people going to bed with that prayer there's need for feminism yeah, today yeah. so when people grow up in that context i think it's important for them to see women doing that kind of thing yeah it's so nice to hear that actually because um i feel like it is a a a topic and a conversation that does require a degree of nuance and understanding and context and uh it also is a landscape where all the voices are not just very valid they're extremely required and also with uh, with women one of the biggest things that uh, you have to deal with is you're not brought up with ambition especially if you're brought up in orthodox household and it's not because mothers hate you it's because mothers love you so mothers tell you don't have dreams better don't dream too big because when you don't when you marry a man who doesn't allow you to achieve that dream you'll be heartbroken mm-hmm. so throughout my life i was brought up believing uh not to want much from life you you don't teach your daughters oh one day you will be ceo one day you'll be president mm-hmm. it's just one day you'll be good enough 
you know good enough satisfactory ever after so i never grew up with ambition so for me just being allowed to work was like oh this is good enough you know that good enough came in at least i am being allowed to work look at my family they are all sitting at home without a job and then like when i get on stage oh at least i'm allowed to be on stage mm-hmm. now I've, it has it's been uh, 10 years since i gave up religion and ran away from home came to bombay and tried to make a career for myself and the first 5 years were just me going you know i'm just happy with being able to wear what i want wow you know just little so now i'm be, i'm able to see traits in myself where i never wanted to lead even though i have leadership capabilities because it was never in my dictionary that i could be ceo someday so it takes you long it takes you 10 years just to overcome cultural hangover and that's why maybe we're a little slower and we're running to catch up that's so interesting that you mentioned that I, in one of my other conversations um we were talking about the the feeling of uh, having this feeling of always being in a race mm. and how i used to i used to be i used to have quite a harsh uh, opinion of this part of my personality which is like constantly you have to do you have to do you have to be doing can't take a break and i made a whole bunch of reasons up in my head for why why i was that way it was like i came from a from a certain you know class of background where my family like my role models were self made people mm. and it was like expressed to me very explicitly since i was little nose to the grindstone or nothing like you have to hard work all the time yes. no breaks no holidays mm. no na 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 otherwise you know you're not you're not inheriting anything or you're not going to manage there's no cushion there's mm. no backup and i was like that that's what it is and then it, that kind of shifted to like no i'm just like someone who derives my sense of joy from being productive and it's not a bad thing so it's like constantly mm. wanting to do and it as, became your identity totally um and and you kind of overlook the fact that a part of it is very much in the uh, uh, vortex of dysfunction let's say and blatant capitalistic uh mindset oh, oh god yeah. that's so funny that you said that yeah exactly i've had a conversation about this just last night it is a huge expression of capitalism because yeah. you can't stop doing you can't stop the hustle even if you have enough it's not enough yeah which and i think this isn't a woman thing it's an entire industry thing where you're always on that race and we glorify that struggle don't you like i i I I go to work and someone's like yo I haven't slept in 2 days and someone else like I haven't slept in 3 days someone's like I had 5 coffees today I had 6 coffees we glorify that struggle yeah. especially in the art industry because we are underpaid and overworked and we're doing it for the passion yeah and the moment someone comes up and says I don't work on Sunday so I don't work beyond this time you're like oh yeah cool but then in at the back of your head you're going I'm better than that person because I work more. Totally. It doesn't matter that the output is the same. Yeah. And for me, what has been weird is because I've been doing it for 15 years. You get better at it. The you do something for a long time, you get better at it, which means I'm putting less time to get the same product. And then I start feeling guilty. <gasps> I am not working as much as I used to. Nice. And then I see these young kids around me working really hard. And then I'm like, no, I must work as much as them because I need to prove that I'm hardworking. Right. It's right. it's a sickening circle and it's a capitalistic thing where totally. hustle 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 totally and and I, I suppose if you don't do something to put a pause to hit pause on that race that mm. is just going to 
you know yeah. self fulfilling the, and honestly all of us put a pause not consciously when we burn out mm. all of us have had physical breakdowns and mental breakdowns and that's when the pause has happened mm. which is unhealthy but because no one's done it we are the first ones doing this and not your mother not your grandmother yeah, yeah exactly and not even your father yeah. so so we are the first ones figuring this out and we figured that <laughs> we had that burnout and our bodies told us girl take a break when you <laughs> i've had that breakdown on an airplane from uh, an international airplane i put a blanket over my head and cried myself to sleep and oh. that's when i went girl you got to take a break mm. it's one of those i relate so oh hard i've <laughs> been there so been there fuck yeah and and did you listen the first time yeah oh you did yeah, and good, i get good and i've <laughs> like now i'm eating healthier I'm, mm. i'm not beating when i when oh the biggest struggle for me is when i'm done with work i head home mm. instead of staying and trying to find something else to do which is the biggest struggle right it's funny how you almost have to be as disciplined about rest as mm. you do about productivity we don't think about that right and i realized i was falling sick a lot and i realized if i don't get my 8 hours of sleep i fall sick so now like even when they call me for residencies and stuff i put in my email in my hospitality rider when you schedule i need 8 hours of sleep if i don't get 8 hours of sleep i will fall sick and your residency won't happen because when people program things they expect you to go run on like 4 hours of sleep and yeah. i'm like you want me on camera You want me to be fine? Give me my eight hours of sleep. Yeah. It's part of my contract. You know? Good for you. Yeah. That's such a nice thing to think about and to like write into your personal yeah. whatever design, life design. I wanted to I wanted to come back to you talking about the number of hours of sleep and your your kind of uh, say your newfound shape and ideas around this is what my body needs. This is what my mind needs. Uh, Self care. Yeah. I, I don't love the phrase, yeah. but. Uh, uh i wanted to ask what you think where do where do you think we need to go from self care like if self care is a very um conscious uh uh signal and symbol of i need to look after myself and my needs in order to be contributing and in order to be of value and in order to be stable enough to like uplift anything my mm. idea my community whatever um then after that is there a point at which we can kind of shift that lens to focus on community care mm. or like where does where do we go wow. from self care that's a really interesting way of looking at it especially like i think uh, why a lot of us ignore self care is we don't see it as important and i always tell musicians okay you take care of your laptop and your equipment you put it in an air conditioned room because you realize this is equipment i need for my craft your body is equipment you need for your craft don't drink the day of a gig don't don't party the night before a gig understand that your voice needs something your body needs mm-hmm. something your stomach needs to be in good shape because that is the hollow instrument from where your voice comes yeah. in your hands need to be stable so i think a lot of us take for granted that our body is our tool our equipment and we don't take care of it mm-hmm. but honestly you can't teach that at a young age and i think it's fine yeah when you're young you hustle you put in the work and you don't need as much sleep yeah and your body can take a lot more yeah. so i think i i don't begrudge myself for working as hard as i did when i was younger I think it's it's necessary. Right. Now to take that to like you said take it into community care. Mm. I think uh, one of the best things is podcasts like this to mm. tell other women and other men to recognize when they're abusing themselves to in the name of work or yeah and to help break that idea of don't glorify. And that only happens when you're in a leadership position and mm. uh the culture of your organization 
uh, is set by your you right and if you are someone who overworks and uh, how much ever you tell your juniors you know what it's okay you go home but you are doing 15 hour shifts and i do that a lot as a director i'll turn to my editors and say you know what you go home mm. i'll i got this the editors will stay back right because that's the culture you're building yeah if you go home on time then they will go home on yeah. time yeah so interesting yeah it really is like you have to walk the talk mm-hmm. and you have to be it's like it sounds cliche but being the change that you want to see Apart from self-care and regularly recognizing and meeting our needs, Sophia also spoke about discipline, the discipline around rest as well as the discipline around work and how discipline can be the very uh, key to being able to access your creativity on demand. I'm still not there yet though. I still do 20 hour shifts at times, you know. It's it's tricky because you're trying to build something. Yeah, but I think the rule is to build to word it to not just to uh, to be conscious that okay i did this 20 hour thing today tell us uh, ask yourself the question why did i do that 20 hour shift mm. is there any way that i can effectively not do this right and build in and that only comes through discipline and when i say discipline it is i know a lot of people who wait for inspiration to strike to create mm-hmm. discipline can help you be creative at the drop at on demand people don't realize that everyone's like you know what i'm an artist and inspiration only comes at a certain time but if you're so, the best writers wake up go to their desk and write every day mm-hmm. whether they have something to write or not mm-hmm. yes there is something called creative block there's something called a burnout when that happens recognizing that's a burnout and stopping is fine but once a week if you're not getting an idea that isn't a burnout that is lack of discipline right interesting because there are two camps it's yeah. like the the build the creative muscle mm-hmm. or like wait for my next takeaway from this conversation was identifying the difference between giving up versus taking time away taking time off and how that plays a crucial role in establishing a certain longevity in your creative output anyone who's a close friend of mine used to get really irritated cuz i would have these moments where i'm like should i give up music should i give up music and they're like oh my god she started this conversation again and i realize now retrospectively that what i did was i was taking time away mm. after talking to you you know i never realized that i was doing that right. but when i did it it was important and i did it with this belief that i was uh, Uh, I saw my creativity as this bowl that was being filled by stimulus mm-hmm. so I had life experiences all my songs talk about the struggles about the relationships and all of that and I had the stimulus stimulus coming in and I had this bowl full and I felt that I would explode if I didn't put all that emotion out onto paper and then I was emptying myself I didn't realize that I was emptying that bowl and I was just putting all this emotion out to paper and I was performing 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 I didn't have time to live life right I wasn't building relationships right. I I was going from airport to airport to airport to airport I I kept a bullet journal and I realized I wasn't sleeping in the same bed for more than 4 days in a row and I don't mean like like I had a house in Bombay I had a house in Hyderabad I had a house in Chennai so I would four days in Bombay then suddenly weekend to Hyderabad then suddenly to Chennai suddenly to Bangalore suddenly to Goa yeah I didn't have time to live life mm. and I, that bowl became empty mm. and then I told myself I need to fill my bowl mm. I'm going to live be so it's one of I have a poem where it says I want to be boring 
sometimes constantly because it's only when you're bored when you have nothing to do you go out you meet people you live and you experience yeah. so i d- just took that month off to fill that bowl and now i've come back with Way stuff more. yeah to stuff to put on on paper yeah. i think as artists we should never forget to live and do boring things yeah. have like a boring day where you wake up and just stare at the sun you know yeah i miss being able to be bored <laughs> We then spoke about the importance and different mechanisms for self-evaluation. How to make room for change, change in your motivations, in your desires, in your preferences, and the importance of making sure that our motivations are authentic by making sure they're up to date. And I've found that over the last couple of years it's been quite critical for me to have a kind of self evaluation process that doesn't only happen on my birthday or at <laughs> the end of the year uh, you know i think it's always like okay the year's over let me just evaluate where is life mm. going even though i think i don't know i guess i believe in the calendar system but i'm trying to do it say on a monthly basis wow where wow. i can just like say okay it's the start of a month here's four new weeks uh why am i doing what i'm doing and can i still am i still attached to those wise does it does the motivation still make sense uh and then have like revisit my what are my action steps attached to this goal you know what am i doing to try and bring this thing to life and uh, you've said something very important does my motivation still make sense because i didn't know i always thought i'm a i have a personality this is me and that won't change mm. my goals won't change my principles won't change my ideologies won't change but i realized that i people change and you change everyone changes and people aren't aware that that change happens probably every 7 years or something right. i never realized it and I, because you're working so hard you assume okay i my life is chaotic you assume at least my goals and principles have are the same and they won't change right. and you're working towards those goals and principles and motivations maybe earlier my motivation was to be heard mm. but now i go and i go i don't want to be heard it's fine mm. i have friends i have family I'm okay with these motivations changing to yeah. to acknowledge that my personality has changed and mm-hmm. that my motivation for creating art has changed is it honestly it doesn't come easy it's very difficult because you refuse to acknowledge that what I'm a different human being now yeah, yeah. I I don't create art because of these reasons but for these reasons yeah you know in fact I was talking to a friend about it about how it's it's like the difference between uh what you want to do versus mm-hmm. the story of what you want to do you yeah. know like somewhere you upgraded like you expanded you evolved but then the story of what you want to do got left behind yeah. and you're like oh i'm still am i still trying to achieve that but th- does that actually authentically make sense now. for me internally now based on all of the the layers of shedding and learning and rebirth and whatever you know the i suppose it takes quite a bit of uh you've got to really be honest with yourself mm. and be like do i still want the same thing i wanted 7 8 years ago and quite often the answer is going to be no fuck yeah. no you were 20 something yeah. or you were in a different place like you it has to change um yeah what would you what would you say So I feel like I'm going through that now. Mm. Like I have just reconciled that there is a portion of the work that I uh did that that is 
extremely cool. Mm. Cool is the word. Yeah, you know? we, when we were young, that's all we wanted to be, just man. Really wanted to be cool. I just did this because I wanted to be cool. <laughs> I wanted attention. I can relate. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's 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 kind of like that. Probably is because we were walking around with certain wounds that we had picked up as kids, yeah. where like you didn't get certain amount of attention that yeah. you needed. So somewhere you're like, where can I fill that? Oh, here it is. Here's the stage. My next and probably my most significant takeaway from this chat was how to take your art seriously but not yourself. And this is a phrase that has been kind of etched into my brain over the last year, trying to make sure that we're staying light-hearted and operating from a state of play while we are in fact working. So for me it was it's like you said constant evaluation and uh, not to take myself too seriously. Uh, what happens... I mean, to, I take my art seriously. I don't take myself seriously. So I have two tattoos, create and destroy. Create is to constantly create art. Destroy is to destroy my sense of self or in Freudian terms, ego. You know, when I say ego, I don't mean attitude. I mean my idea of self. Like when I'm writing something to destroy the idea that Sophia Ashraf is writing something. Because what happens when I'm aware that Sophia Ashraf is writing something, I'm not vulnerable. Because what I'm trying to do is, I'm trying to impress the audience. Mm -hmm. My job as an artist for me is not to impress the audience, is to make them feel. Mm -hmm. And you make them feel if you're vulnerable and you're only vulnerable, vulnerable if you destroy your sense of self. And for me, the thing is, earlier I used to be like, okay, you know what, my idea of vulnerability is, to, I'll talk about my acne, I'll talk about how skinny I am, I was self-deprecating and then it was tough to do it at first but when I did it it was a huge hit so people were like wow she's talking about herself so I was like oh it's easy for me to be vulnerable and then after a point I realized I was just going back to old patterns uh, yeah. and then there was a new sense of vulnerability which is the ability to accept that I don't know things mm. so each time you're vulnerable vulnerability becomes easier and then you realize there's a new layer of vulnerability yeah. that you need to dig deeper because mm. I was like okay body up Accepting my body, making fun of my body was one set of vulnerability which took effort first. Now it comes easy to me. Right. So now the next layer I need to dig. Okay, right. what is a deeper sense vulnerability that I have? Wow. Which only happens if you stop taking yourself seriously. In between there was a time where I was so aware that, oh, I am a social media influencer you know I'm a rapper who talks about issues that any issue I have to speak out against it I started taking myself so seriously I was like oh this issue I have to speak out against it it is I have to change the world you know then I was like Sophie what are you doing mm. you you're not that important mm. and when then I started cutting out that stop taking that bojh upon myself yeah. that's when I started finding more empathy because what happened in between was, especially because I was a social activist, mm -hmm. um, th this happens with lottery winners. The moment someone gets wins a lottery, they go into depression because s one, they don't know how to spend all this sudden unearned money and a lot of people reach out to them asking for help. Mm. And you don't know where to whom to help yeah. and then you're feeling guilty. Yeah. For me, that's what happened. The moment Kodekanal won't happen, daily I still get calls from NGOs from people wow. from friends who come and say you should speak about this issue it's a really bad issue and then they will proceed to spend the next half an hour telling me about a really really heartbreaking issue 
Now the deal is there are just some days I want to be in a party. And I don't tell people I'm an actress because there are some days I just want to drink. I just want to chill. I want to listen to music. But here's someone coming and telling me about this issue that is really bad. Yeah. And then I spend the next half hour feeling bad and feeling like I should do something about this. Yeah. Then I was like, no, don't take yourself seriously. Yeah. And when you feel about things, you can. I mean, it's fine to feel, but you don't have to convert that feeling into that emotion into art all the time. My final takeaway from this conversation will probably be applicable to activists, artists who are advocates of social justice, of human rights, equality, the environment, anyone really who is using their voice in an outspoken way to draw attention to urgent and often heavy issues. I asked Sophia about how she balances the weight and the kind of density of this content with the lightheartedness that is sometimes required to A, make art, and B, uh, continue to come back to these topics and communities again and again and again in order to be effective in uplifting them, uh, which which is the goal around using the art to draw attention to these issues in the first place. So my question to her was, was it tough? How did you keep it light? And did it bog you down? So I think I had my first creative block and breakdown because of that. Because there was just every day I was bombarded with issues and people telling me you should make something about this. And then I started doing only commissioned work because I I came from a place of I should be doing something about this. It wasn't that okay, I was really pissed off about something and then I felt that like the only outlet could be pen and paper. I started being like, oh, this is my duty to create music. And then I started doing that for two, three years after Kodai Kanal won't. And then the, the... the authenticity kind of went out because I did it out of duty. Right. Um, so there are two prongs. Mm. Uh, there are two different uh, issues with this. One was, so I've been doing environmentally conscious art since for the last 15 years. I was very, very, very lucky to have met an NGO at a very young age when I was 18. Mm. They introduced me to the beauty of using art to talk about things bigger than yourself. And I was very lucky to have met them. Yeah. But we've wow. been doing it for 15 years. And some... And, you know, you put out videos, you put out videos, you put out, you do work, you go on stage. You, it's a hit and a miss. Not everything you do is a Kodai Kanal won't. People know my 4 million view video, but they don't know the 50 other things that right. we have done as a community for this. Right. For various issues. And there were moments where I went, why am I doing this? Why am I putting out ish- these videos, working my ass off, putting these out? Is it making a change? But then there would be that once a month call from some random fan or some girl on the internet would reach out and just tell me something as simple as seeing you do this has given me the strength to tell my mom that I want to do this. Yeah. It like the work that you do has tangible outcomes and it has intangible effects, mm-hmm. which you don't really see on every day. But then sometimes just a girl in an audience seeing sand dunes on stage playing. For me, it, it did play a lot. Mm-hmm. Seeing you on stage performing, I was like... So you see, these are the role models I need. You know, there's there's a woman doing this and just that thing of, oh, I want to do this too. Mm-hmm. And that's intangible. Mm-hmm. Then there's a tangible where you see these views and you see a corporation come down and do address uh, this policy change that happens. So the work that you do, one, if you're trying to do it for some sort of greater good, it gets a little iffy because you wonder why you're doing it and then you're like, no, I'm doing it because there are tangible benefits and there are intangible benefits. Mm -hmm. Then there's the other side of 
where okay you have accepted that and you continue doing what you're doing and when you're doing what you're doing it gets too heavy after a point so now i've reached a point where i don't believe that the weight of the world rests on my shoulders and i i believe that yes do good whenever you can do whatever uh, helps you but my philosophy is whatever helps you sleep at night so for example with the caa thing i try to see what will really make effect will me making a song about this is that me trying to promote myself as an artist or trying to make a difference and i realized for me in the caa thing i'm still trying to read and understand and read and understand it's okay if i have not put out a song about it just sharing information using the momentum that i've gathered to share stuff that other artists have put up i'm okay with that i don't beat myself up about not writing a song about caa maybe i'm not in the right state of mind don't beat yourself up for not writing a song about something and that's why i have a little bit of an issue with people coming and saying why aren't all artists making something about caa i feel you know what maybe they're assimilating maybe they're understanding maybe they're doing it through conversations in their own houses yeah. you don't always have to put out a protest video yeah. you can um you can make changes in your own way and one more thing that i have really recently come to acknowledge is that uh, the idea of destroy myself which is ego came into play even in activism uh, that's why i don't have a social i don't have a youtube page because it's very easy when you're a raptivist or an activist using music to be like oh sofia ashraf is doing this and then what happened after kodaikanal won't is people reporters would come to me and not talk about kodaikanal they'll talk about me right and i'm like wait i'm trying This to draw attention there to the issue why yeah. are you drawing attention to me right. so that's why i never put up content on my own page i put it up on someone else's page i put it up on jatka i put it up where it will have the most effect because i think as artists we should be very conscious that if you're trying to do it for a cause you shouldn't be the hero yeah the cause and the people should be the hero represent their views totally so it's tricky it's it's nuanced i think you you live you learn totally Thank you so much so much for sharing your words what an amazing conversation i'm really thrilled and thank you so much for hearing me out i no, think this was like therapy for I'm me i'm glad <laughs> I, it was really uh, enlightening and very eye opening and i am sure that people listening will have a lot of a lot of gainings from listening to your words thank you thanks for having me If you've made it this far, thank you for sticking with me. This has been an episode of a sound approach, conversations about finding balance within the creative process. I am Sandunes and I will be back next week with another conversation and hopefully more tips, insight, inspiration and tools to help you stay creative, to help you stay sane during this pandemic so that you feel connected to your practice. Take care, stay safe, wash those hands. I will see you next week.